This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, Editor-in-Chief of RugbyMag.com. This is the first show of 2012, and we're very excited with the guest we have this time around. And we actually intended to have two guests, but we had some technical difficulties with Zach Tess, so hopefully to get Zach Tess back on the show another time. But we do have USA 7's head coach, Al Caravelli, on with the show, along with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And when we come back, we will have USA 7's head coach, Al Caravelli, right here on Rugged Matrix America. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hey, don't forget, the biggest rugby party in the USA is slated for February 10th through 12th, 2012 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The USA 7's International Rugby Tournament brings the United States and 15 other top International 7's teams to the American Stop on the World Series circuit. It's three days of thrilling action. Go to USA7's.com for details and great hotel and ticket packages. And if you're a player, the Las Vegas Invitational is where you can play rugby before seeing the USA 7's. Presented by Stations Casinos, the LVI is the biggest tournament in the country and offers sevens and fifteens playing opportunities for all levels. Go to LVIRugby.com for details on how to sign up and get great USA Sevens deals and special rates on Stations Casinos hotels. Once again, go to LVIRugby.com for details. Okay, well, we are back on Rugged Matrix America. We have USA Sevens national team coach, Al Caravelli, who's uh, been able to join us. And Al, thanks a lot for uh, joining us on the show. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And Al, you've got a camp coming up uh, very soon. And um, what with a lot of, you've had some injuries and unavailabilities. You've had to sort of change around your team from the Pan Ams to the first three tournaments of the IRB series. So who are you bringing into camp now uh, for, for this next assembly? Great question. And uh, the guys that have confirmed, you know, bearing any injuries between now and when we assemble next Friday, we have uh, Greg Ambrosi, uh, Garrett Bender, uh, Mark Bachoven, Miles Craigwell, Andrew Duratalu, Tyanosa, Matt Hawkins, Colin Holly, Nessie Malifa, Rocco Maurer, uh, Falao Niua, Mike Pelapau, Blaine Scully, Roland Suniula, Shalom Suniula. Zach Test, Peter Tiberio, and Maka Onufe. So are you happy to get some of these guys back who've been away? Uh, you know, some of them had some personal issues going on. Other guys were injured. Um, or, um, I, I don't know, I mean, Nessie Malifa perhaps a little bit burned out. But um, it's it's great to have some of those guys back. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, this is what we face in rugby in the United States. I don't think it's anything new to anybody. You know, we face this constantly where, uh, personal issues come up and um, work-related, family-related. So you, you got to be flexible until we can get everybody in a full-time environment that works for our best athletes. Al, um, some relatively new names um, on that list. Maybe some guys that um, I'll ask you about three people that some of our listeners maybe haven't seen or don't know much about. Um, Garrett Bender, Andrew Duratalo, and Greg Ambrosi. Um, Garrett and, um, and Greg come from the, uh, the club scene. 
Um, and then you found Andrew uh, kind of in a unique way. But why don't you just tell us a little bit about what each of them brings to the field and what they're good at, what their skill sets are? Sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, Greg Ambrosi and Maka uh, were the leading try scorers in the club championships last summer. Um, and, you know, he showed a lot of pace, soft defense. And, uh, you know, again, that's our domestic club season. But I thought he warranted enough to have a shot at, uh, at coming to our, our, our national team camp. Unfortunately, he dislocated his, his shoulder in the, uh, I think it was the final or semifinal in the club championships, or actually it was the fight. He did it in the semifinal, actually, against Maka. I don't know if you remember that, Pat. They actually knocked each other out of the game. And then, yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Greg tried to you know, play in the final against Belmont. He just couldn't go any further. So he was rehabbing, trying to get ready for national all-stars. And uh, the shoulder just wasn't 100%. And uh, we were ready to have him at our camp uh, before Gold Coast. And he actually got an ankle injury playing 15s for his club. So now he's fully healed and back. And what I think he uh, brings is a lot of pace good decision-making and, uh, and a good nose for the, uh, for the try line. And then the, uh, the cherry on top, if you will, he's got, he's a solid defender. And uh, you asked me about Garrett Bender, uh, Garrett, uh, I saw him. He was pretty impressive with the high ball, uh, playing for young bloods at the national championship. You know, he's 19 years old, very impressive, uh, had a scholarship to play football, um, in Minnesota, and then I was able to spend uh, a lot of time observing him at the uh, camp that uh, Sarevi had uh, this past uh, August up in Seattle. And uh, you know, that young uh, reminds me of, a, you know, of a potential uh, of like a Mark Bachoven, but he's uh, got uh, more advanced skills, if you will, and uh, got great pace. And then the uh, Andrew Duratalo, he actually was one of our replacement players for uh, for us in Port Elizabeth. Um, prior to that, he's he's been in camp. Uh, he was at the National All Stars, but he didn't play because he had an ankle injury. But I first saw him again at the Sarevi camp as well. Solid, solid player. Um, you know, great skills. Uh, you know, and Andrew Duratalo, that's a Fijian name. He was actually born in, in New York uh, when his parents were getting their PhDs at Columbia and NYU, respectively. Um, and he's just a recent graduate with a finance degree from the University of Tokyo. Uh, he's, a, he's a bright young man as well. He's a horse and another 21-year-old. Um, I, I, one thing that jumps out to me is um, the Sarevi camp. And I, everybody knows Sarevi's in the United States. And it seems like he's building his brand and um... – um, clearly got all the credentials in the world for uh, as a sevens guy. What's your relationship with him? I know he's touched different teams, uh, Central Washington, OPSB, and kind of tried to help them out. But how about how, how what's your relationship with him in terms of maybe does he scout some players for you, give you some names, and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Does it? I mean, I, I played against him a lot, and uh, um, and ever since yeah, coached against him um, when he coached. With Papua New Guinea and 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 China, Taiwan, I think, or Chinese Taipei, uh, when he coached Fiji, uh, I had actually uh, not coached at the time, uh, but I consider him a, a a really good confidant. Uh, share a lot of 
not only rugby, but personal things as well. Um, he invited me up to the camp, um, gave him some ideas on how we want to continue to expand the brand. I'm part of the board uh, for for the uh, Serevi uh, brand as well. Um, so we have a rugby uh, relationship as well as a personal relationship as well. Al, going forward, I mean, this is this obviously this is a uh, being in the Olympics is massive for the sevens game. And I just wanted to know what's your vision of building a world-class high-performance sevens environment that can come away with a medal in the Olympics over the next few years? Well, I think, you know, Bruce, when I first took over the job, everybody asked me what was my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal was to be the best sevens team in the world. And there's a, you know, everybody kind of laughed at me and said at the time, you guys have never even been in a final, (laughs) you know, how can you ever think that? Uh, But that is, that is our ultimate goal to get to the podium and win a gold medal in 2016. Um, A lot of people say it's five years away. That's a long time away. It's really not. If you start breaking down that qualification for the Olympics will be in 2014, 2015. um, And then prior to that, we're fortunate that we're in the series uh, and one of the qualification methods, um, it's rumored that it will be being in the top four in the series. That's what we want to be uh, by that time. So to answer your question directly, you know, how do we start to build that that best team in the world in a high-performance environment? I think we, we've done it ever since, uh, um, at least I've been coach, um, slowly. You know, we... Uh, we never used the Olympic Training Center, and we slowly started to use the Olympic Training Center. Uh, the next year, we got a little bit on site. Um, then uh, now they've given us uh, residencies for a few of our players to start getting in that full-time environment. And everybody knows that the uh, the USOC works in quadrennial periods, right? Four-year quad cycles. So our quad really doesn't start until 2013. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate that, that we have this relationship, USA Rugby, with the USOC that um, they've said they've been, to our, they've been to Las Vegas, they've been to other tournaments, they watch us closely, they see potential in us, but they know that for us right now, we're not even keeping pace uh, with the rest of the world because um, everybody else is full-time that's ahead of us. So they basically ponied up and, and put together the, in the high performance environment uh, for us to be able to train here full time at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista. And we have the high performance team um, as, as part of our support staff. With that comes a lot of things um, and everything that you could possibly name. You know, we have sports psychologists assigned to us. Matter of fact, the guys are doing their one on ones right now. We have a sports nutritionist. Each player was given uh, goals based on that, what they want to achieve, based what myself and the coaching staff wants to do. Um, and they have that nutritionist for the guys that uh, want to start cooking a little bit more. She's going to uh, show them how to shop when they're not eating here, uh, teach, them how, teach, teach them how to cook. Sports psychologist is going to work on the goals for the team in the high-performance uh, area on the field. Uh, we're working to get, they've got us uh, GPS units with heart rate monitors. We've started to use those. Uh, we have the first class 
medical facility. Guys are all doing prehab. They did complete physicals. A couple of things were identified for a couple of players that they had deficiencies in some or certain parts of the body, so they're working on those. Um, we're doing speed sessions with uh, Al Joyner, uh, U.S. track coach. So yeah, those are just little snippets. Uh, the, the thing that uh, I need to balance because we need to perform, you know, I have a little thing that the guys really are starting to to enjoy, and it's, uh, you know, learn, learn from the past, uh, prepare for the future, but perform in the present. And so we need to balance the uh, – preparing uh, uh, for that uh, future, but also performing today. Um, so we have to make sure that we don't put too much on the player's plate. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty daunting right now, uh, you know, getting ready for Wellington, moving into a full-time environment. Uh, but it's all in a positive light, too. I mean, there's not a single person that doesn't see the uh, positives of it and uh, isn't excited. We just got to make sure that we don't try to do too much because then things fall through the cracks. So we're going to put little baby steps together and try and fix things that can give us an immediate impact, but at the same time, put us on the track for the future. I wanted to follow up with that. No, um, number one, what's your talent identification process like and what are the most important components that you're looking for in players? And secondly, as much as you mentioned a lot about the high performance environment how much of it involves rugby and how much of it involves and i don't want to call them non-rugby things but uh uh, let's say on field rugby and and how much of it is involved in physical training and, and and other and other uh aspects of the players lives as as like how much um that's what i wanted to get to First off, talent identification, well, most important components, and then how, how does it fit into rugby? How much of it is rugby? Well, you know, we have what we do in a – we're going to map out in a week. We meet, I meet uh, every Friday with the whole high-performance team and the staff here at the OTC to look back at the week that we just covered, what we need to tweak in anything, uh, medical staff is where everybody's represented that I just said uh, that we just talked about. And so, you know, in a typical week, the guys are doing three and a half hours of uh, skill work. Um, they're doing six and a half hours of team. Um, so that's, you know, that's right there. Just in those two pieces, they're doing, you know, 10 hours of, uh, of just rugby related. And then we have conditioning games, um, which are about, uh, which are about three hour, three and a half hours a week. Uh, we do video analysis, which is about four hours a week. We do our sports psych uh, work uh, as a team. That's uh, two and a half hours a week. Then they get their individual ones. Um, we do work. So that that's just the rugby piece. And then we do some specialty things. Like I said, the speed work, the, um, there's some things that we need to improve on that I'm going to keep under wraps. But if you watch the game, you could the games, you can see what we were deficient on. So we we got some specialty coaches that uh, that we're working with, and the guys have really taken to it really, really, really well. Um, so you know they're they're putting in a lot of hours. Um, you know they're full time environments. What we want to get to. So, 
Ella, those those specialty coaches, um, and and I think I, first of all, I think it's great. You know, you you're working on speed with Al Joyner, who uh, people don't remember is a is a gold medalist in the triple jump and the brother of Jackie Joyner Kersey. So that's that's some some uh, speed credibility right there. But uh, the the specialist coaches you're working with are they all rugby people, or do you bring in people from outside? Uh, one's a rugby person uh, specifically to work with us on defense actually your lead guy um and then uh the other guys are for example we we work with mma uh, and greco-roman wrestlers uh last week and we'll do it again this week well, that's that's perfect that that would that would translate well into stuff like winning rucks and being strong in the in contact stuff like that right that's correct okay uh having these guys it, having guys in a full-time training environment, Al, you, you, you've got your your camp coming up, and um, you know we're, we're we're not going to details about who's going to be f- full-time down at the OTC and who's not. But there are obviously you're inviting more players to a camp than are in the full-time training environment. Some of those guys that are are coming in just coming into camp. And then going back to their homes are really, really terrific sevens players. But do you anticipate that those guys will be bypassed by full-time training players, even ones who are quite a distance behind them at the at the moment? Well, I, I you know, if you believe um, what the experts are saying, that you know, by being in a full-time environment, somebody who has the athletic talent, let's say, uh, or more athletic talent than another individual, that that person in a full-time environment should catch up to that guy in about two to three months, um, or uh, sorry, catch up and pass him. Um, so, you know, only time will tell that, Alex. But what we're trying to do too, and that's where we got to balance about performing in the present, and but also building for the future. Which is why you have so many young players in this camp. That's correct. Al, um, obviously we want to know the guys that are, are going to get the contracts, and we're we're not getting to know those guys today, but the guys that are in camp and that sort of thing. And and everybody looks at them, and you, they're going to create and cultivate their skills, and maybe a lot of these guys will stick together, and in four years they'll be the team playing in the Olympics. But I, one has to wonder, you know, if you 2013 rolls around and – um, Taku and Gwenya decides, you know what, I'd like to be an Olympian, or Todd Clever decides, I'd like to be an Olympian, or Chris Wiles, or any of those guys. A, um, you know, has the IRB put out any kind of, um, do you have any idea what the IRB is going to do in terms of, are they going to have to, are they going to make um, clubs make their players available to train for the World Cup, like that, or like they do for the World Cup for the Olympics? And would you be open to something like that? You know, a guy like Taku or, or Chris or Todd coming back and saying they want to make the team. How would one of those guys go about becoming an Olympian without, you know, quitting being a, a pro overseas and making some serious change? Well, I think that, yeah, you know, I don't think I have the, the definitive 100% answer right now. Um, what I think, because I, I tried it at the last World Cup, right? I, you know, where I had a solid group of 10 and then Todd and, uh, and uh, Taku, um, I wanted them to play, both played sevens for me. So I brought them in right at the World Cup. And, you know, they still played really well. A lot of people thought they played poorly. They didn't play poorly. The thing was, you know, I take it responsibility as a coach. They're, they're such good players. And I think we got into the trap of pass the ball to, to Zim, 
run, go. Where, you know, if we followed our pattern of play, whoever would be on the wing, we'd pass them the ball and we'd go support them on the inside. Um, you know, if he gets tackled, we're right there to ruck. But instead, we just passed the ball quickly to him, didn't fix the defenders like we normally do, didn't give him space to run. And, you know, even a guy like Taku, he uh, in, in the circuit, he's another fast guy. <laughs> you know, he's not going to blow by everybody. You got to give him space to run, to take advantage of his speed. So what happens is if you don't have time to train together and to play tournaments together you lose that continuity that that team environment so whoever it would be like chris you know todd kevin swearing uh taku what i would ask is they play at least a year or two on the circuit with us um to make the squad and that's true pretty much of it all the teams on the on the circuit you can't just parachute in a player and he's, you know, even if he's a great athlete, you can't parachute him into a team and completely elevate your sevens team anymore. I mean, uh, the, I mean, it, it, a lot of people have tried to do that. Yeah. A lot of people have tried, a lot of teams have tried to do it and it just hasn't been, we haven't seen anybody that's been successful. You look at New Zealand in last year's uh, Commonwealth Games and, um, or, Sorry, 2010's Commonwealth Games, and they brought in Jose Gear, uh, Liam Meeson, uh, I think three guys that were phenomenal, uh, sevens players, you know, all blacks. And when it came down to the gold medal game, none of uh, he he went with his traditional sevens guys. And the same thing with you know Lockie Turner, who was playing for Australia. Um, Mike O'Connor didn't start him, but then brought him in. Al, I got a I got a quick question on on, on the last question I asked. Um, as far as talent identification and and also, what are the major components that you're looking for? And you know, I I, I was wondering also, do you feel that sevens and fifteens are significantly different games that at some point you have to make a choice. And and I liken it to something I say is you ain't just rocking up to the Olympics thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play a little sevens over the next six months and uh, win a medal. It ain't going to happen. At least not, not, I don't, I don't think so. So I, I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. I, understanding that they're politically sensitive. I'm just saying that you know, from my perspective, I, 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 I do think it, at some point, I don't think that there's room for both in there. There are some people who maybe can get away with it for a little bit, but it, I don't think that's going to be for long. Uh, I think uh, I, I think in one aspect, I think you're right, Bruce. I think if you look at well, first of all, we're 2012 starting the season. You know, we're going to have a new 15s coach. We don't have the depth in the United States that other countries do have. So some of our players that are going to have the ability to play both sevens and fifteens, um, if they so desire, um, will probably continue to do that. But as we get closer to the Olympics, and again, you know, I don't have all the answers right now. Uh, only time will tell. I think that um, we're going to have to have specialists, um, guys that are only going to play sevens 
maybe after the after they win a gold medal, then they could go back to fifteens uh, if they want to. But leading up into that, I can I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Who decides yeah. what they want to do? I'm sorry. Who decides what they want to do? Like in in my world, this is a free country, and I think that the player should decide what he wants to do, as opposed to somebody deciding for him. And I was wondering what you felt on that. Oh, absolutely, like, uh, absolutely. It's, it's the it's the player's ultimate decision as long as the coach wants them. Oh yeah, I mean, definitely. Sorry now, and then now continue. Like I said, I I, I you know I'm. I'm I, I am interested to hear it because I've heard a lot of different things from different people, and 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 I personally think that that sevens is that much different, and it will be continue to become different as the game evolves, and the athletes evolve, and the players evolve, and 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 the patterns evolve, and refereeing evolves. That leading into the Olympics, they're just going to be almost so radically different skill sets even though it's the same uh, I don't have all the answers right now but I, I would say that as we get closer to it and when I mean closer not six months away but even further that I would want guys to dedicate themselves to sevens plus you got to realize players need to rest you know are, the circuit now is going to go from October through May right second week in May and then this year, for example, 2012, we got the World Cup qualifiers in September. So, so in essence, we're going to go, and then we have to have a preseason, right? So we're going to basically go from, let's say, again, I don't have all the answers, but just thinking out loud, we're going to go from July through May for sevens. So even if guys play in the June window, when are they going to get their rest? They, they need rest as well. Now, let me ask you a little bit about kind of that. So uh, I know Bruce asked Zach about the um, what he thought the schedule would kind of look out look like. Um, I know you and I have talked off the air about it, but kind of what do you envision the schedule being like? I mean, you get done playing in May. Um, how long do you give the guys before you start extending contracts again? Because these first round of contracts will end at the end of the season. Um, and, and do you want to hold a camp in between? Um, just what do you what do you think May through August is going to kind of look like uh, for you? For me personally as a coach or, or – Yeah, as, for you, for the coach, for the team, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, we'll be done and we can't wait like we did here. You know, Nigel and I are already talking about this. We don't want to wait to the uh, to the last minute to give the guys contracts. Um, so what, what we're going to try and do is do it a lot sooner, um, evaluate the guys as we're playing, and uh, – if they're doing well, you know, issue contract extensions before the end of the season is what our goal would be. So then the question would be, how does a guy like Nate Ebner, Johnson Batamosi, or anybody, any you know, Don Potty when he graduates or anybody coming out of the college ranks, how does a new guy um, get a chance? You think you'll extend, say, I don't know, 10 to 12 and, and leave a few open to, for a tryout camp? Or how does a new guy get on the list? Yeah, you know, I've already spoken to to two of the three that you just mentioned, and uh, I know when their pro pro camps are. So they're actually going to be joining us as part of the. If they haven't gotten an invite to the 
to the big combine. I'm not talking about a regional combine, but once their pro days are over and um, if they haven't got a, a sniff of the NFL uh, into the combines, they'll be coming in before the end of the year to the taxi squad. So we'll be able to evaluate them there. Um, and I've had, you know, conversations with Nate and, and uh, Johnson ever since they were, they were freshmen. So um, that's one way of doing it. Then we have our radar on a few other guys. Um, it's going to be an ever evolving thing. You know, it will be, you know, year to year contracts right now. Um, so everybody's going to have to continue to be re-upping. The good thing about us is we do have some great collegiate talent coming through. And as you know, that's, that's probably been our biggest, um, area of a talent identification as Bruce, Bruce called it and where our new guys are coming in. So there will definitely be opportunities and, and it also um, keeps everybody fresh as well. Um, just to kind of pigtail off that and while we're talking about the specifics, somewhat of what these contracts entail, you know, let's, uh, in, somebody will get injured, obviously um, you don't want them to, but somebody's going to get injured eventually. Um, if somebody tears his ACL in December um, and isn't going to be ready for the rest of the season, is there any flexibility to bring another person into camp to, to train during that time while that person is rehabbing? And part two would be, uh, you know, do you have the, how, can you fire somebody essentially? Um, a lot of these guys, you know, and you've coached for a long time, but let's say you give somebody a shot and he's not doing his job or things aren't working out. Can you let somebody go um, midway through the contract and then give his job to somebody else? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the details of the contracts um i'm hoping that at least everybody that we're considering right now um they all got great work ethics and you know we've chosen them for reasons so we're gonna we're gonna stick with these guys and help and and help them get to their their achievements um it's probably like any other job even myself you know you're not doing a good job and uh you know <laughs> you're gonna get fired um based on what people do uh, we're in corporate I'm, I'm in corporate america and you know i don't hit my sales numbers i'll be leaving soon so um you know that that's a fact of life you know everybody's been given kpis uh, key performance indicators things that they need to work on i'm very confident with the guys that we're gonna have uh as uh as as full-time players and our our taxi squad and uh and i'm really happy with the outlook too of guys that are considering it, you know, once they finish school and things like that. So two, two things on, on that, Al, first of all, uh, we were, we were talking a little bit about balancing sevens and fifteens are players who are in the full-time training environment available to play fifteens during that time when, when it's not a, a heavy circuit time, you know, do you encourage that? Or is that something that they, you have specified rest time? And the other thing is that, just like in any employment, as you said, getting those performance indicators mapped out and also having a regular feedback. This isn't where, you know, we're having, we need the improvement and this is where you're doing well. That That's something you personally do anyway as a coach, but how important is it to have that clarity of feedback? Uh, okay, so you asked me a few questions in there. Um, <laughs> first of all, I'll take it from, from what you just said going backwards. So continuous feedback. Uh, they're not only getting feedback from myself, but they're getting feedback from the um, from the rest of the staff as well. Uh, Dave Williams, uh, our assistant coach. They're also getting, as I mentioned to you, one-on-ones from the sports psych area, from our nutritionist, uh, from the medical staff. So 
so they're they're meeting with those folks uh everybody everybody but the medical they're meeting with them daily uh sorry uh weekly medical staff they're meeting daily as far as dave and myself they're getting feedback after every training session uh with the gps uh, calculations and the heart rate monitors we're actually putting those up after every training session so they can see what their work rates were uh where they were deficient um uh, they, we still have the video analysis for the boys to continue looking at. So another question that you had, Alex, you know, do we give feedback? The answer to your question there. And then is it valuable? I think it's really valuable. Uh, you know, it's something that they really hunger for. They want feedback. They want to know where they're, where uh, they're not doing well. And what we're encouraging a lot too is for them to help each other out. So, you know, when we're going through uh, drills or just playing, you know, we're shooting for excellence, you know, as best we can, you know, for perfection. And they know that they've accepted those challenges. So they're giving each other feedback as well um, on that. So they could, uh, they can continue getting better. And that's, that's what we all want. Because if they get better as individuals, of course, it's going to translate into how the team performs. And the second part of that question, which wasn't really related to the other part, was if players have an off weekend, can they go off and play for, say, on back? Or are you going to say to the uh, the players on contract uh, that they can't do that? Yeah, I would say we're going to uh, not let that happen for the guys that have full-time contracts. Um, and the reason why, they have a very, very extensive program that they'll be working six days a week. And so they need that recovery time um, for uh, for recovery. So you know, there may be an exception here and there on something, but um, we would encourage them to rest. That's one of the things that uh, um, that the guys need is rest. So to answer your question directly, yes, we would discourage them to go play 15s for a club. If they're on contract. I got a question for you. I want to (laughs) know how excited everyone is to go to Sin City where Pat Clifton is going to sin, 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 and and go to Sin City and play a little bit of rugby and play a little bit of rugby sevens because talking about performing in the present and we can can watch – we could watch what happens in Wellington on TV and all that kind of good stuff. But the fact of the matter is we can go to Vegas live. And what's that, you know, just talk us through your, the whole Vegas thing. And, 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 and what are you going to be doing? What are you looking to do to, to maybe have a better day one performance? Well, we love playing at home. I mean, the, the, the guys are very, of course, they always get fired up to play, uh, to play at home. And we're really not doing anything different. You know, we're going to prepare to the best of our ability. And what we want to do is is win the win the cup at home. That's our ultimate goal. Um, and if we can't win the cup, you know, the one thing I guarantee you that everyone who goes and watches it on NBC, but we'd love to get the crowd behind us to be our our thirteenth man or woman. There is the guys will never give up. They will have a refuse to lose attitude in your face and they will give everything they possibly have to win every single game that I can guarantee you that you will not be disappointed by going to watch the boys. Pat Clifton is going to be making me take him back to the Hofbrau house. I think 
is what's going to happen. Uh, Sausage and giant mugs of beer. That's, that's right. And, well, and, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, Dirk, uh, and I apologize in advance. We will not be joining you there. <laughs> not, not exactly training environment uh, cuisine at the Hofbrau House. Uh, I did say, we did see Dave Hodges belting out the Star Spangled Banner um, to the live tuba polka band they had there. That was pretty special, too. That was a very strange well, experience. Dave's, Dave's hung up his boots a while ago. Yeah, he's he's, right. he's permitted. He's permitted to do that. Al at the USA Sevens, um, the the Eagles. I, I think your your best performance was 2009. You made the semifinals and were very unlucky not to make the final. But uh, in in Las Vegas, you won the bowl. Um, in in 2010, 2011, you won the Shield. Um, both situations where you had some really close pool games that might have twisted around. Um, your fortunes had had you been able to win those games instead of lose them is it, it, it's such a razor thin thing because in in 2009 when they played in San Diego uh, you beat uh, Australia I believe right at right at the end of the game to to go two and one and and make it to the cup round and then in Vegas you lost close ones against Fiji and South Africa is there is there a one thing or is there is there a something that that puts you over the edge there what is the difference between the that team and that performance in 09 and the performances in the USA 7s the last two years yeah i can uh, you look at the team from 2009 um we had the ability to to have a tune up tournament before we had we had spent a little bit more time together um, the team in 2010, we really didn't hit our stride until after, uh, you know, we won the bowl. Uh, we we went four games in a row against some, you know, good competition. You know, beat Canada, beat France, beat Argentina, um, uh, beat Guyana uh, to win that bowl. And then the following tournament, you know, we got to the final and lost to Samoa in uh, in Adelaide. So I think that uh, we didn't have as much time last year together uh, than we did the prior years, and and that's really important in sevens. Um, I tried a couple of things differently as well in, in the preparation area that uh, I realized did not work. Um, based on you know, you, you bottom line is you, know, you get judged by your results there, and they didn't work. So I brought back almost back, back to basics on it. Um, and we started, you know, this year like that. Uh, we had the Pan Am tournament that served twofold for us, of course, competing for a medal. But we also used it as a uh, as a tune-up tournament where we took a different approach than than a lot of the teams there. We went, you know, we were the most, we were the youngest team there and the most inexperienced team overseas. But I thought that you know, bared fruit for us. And unfortunately. You, know, you started your show um, based on injuries and uh, and personal uh, issues. We couldn't take the, a lot of the same guys we wanted to on tour. But with that said, I thought if you looked our performances from Gold Coast through Port Elizabeth, we 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 really started to progress. Um, you know, so there were there were a lot of better things than there were bad things. Um, you know, we pushed England uh, really close. I think we should have won that game in Port Elizabeth, beat a solid Argentina team, um, and, you know, lost 14-12 to Samoa, should have won that game. So 
uh, I'm really, I'm really pumped up uh, and ready to see what we can do against uh, South Africa first in Wellington uh, at 1 p.m. local time, followed by England at four something in, in Wellington and then Cook Islands. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're facing those, those teams again. So what I'm pumped up for is to see Maka Anufe, um, get on the, get on the circuit and, and especially in Vegas, I, you know, Vegas is a, a lot, very large Polynesian uh, attendance always in Vegas. Samoa always gets a big, uh, roar. Fiji gets, uh, some, some love from the crowd and Maka Anufe, Michaeli Pesa, Pesamino Jr. I think is going to, probably be a fan favorite and it'll be nice to see him on the wing in Vegas. I think that could be really fun. Just wanted to interject that and tell you that. Hey, I I just want to say, I just want to say one thing before you get in. So as, as far as, as far as the, uh, the Pat Clifton man crushes go, Paul Emmerich's out, Maka new phase in. Uh, Hey, uh, it's seventh season. It's not the season. Paul Paul gets that knee healthy. I'll be, I can crush on him again too. It's all about the knees, then. Uh, I think Al was trying to say he's got to make the team first, and and Al, you you do have a a different. We're not we're not automatically putting someone on the team. We're not automatically putting Anuve on the team, but you do have options now on the speed level, and then you have options on in terms of size and what you do with your forwards. Um, is how do you feel about this mix of players that you have uh, in your pool coming up? I'm very excited. I mean, especially you look at this squad and you you look at the competition too. We're matched up really, really well, really, really well. And you know, it's we're we're right now. If you look at all the players that are coming into camp, um, as long as they stay healthy, you got a solid, solid core of 18 players. I mean, these guys are solid. There's no drop off, and that's great for a coach. That's I want a solid 12 making this team. Whoever stays back, you know, is going to be barely disappointed, um, which is what I want to hear. You know, I don't want them to be discouraged, um, but I want them even hungrier to come back the next time. So this is a, this is a very very solid. And I know I've said that in the past, but if you look at all the cans we've had. There's no drop off here, so I'm very excited about who we have. Not to go on to the somber note, um, but I will ask. Um, you know, 15 guys are going to be contracted, or you got 15 contracts, and you're not taking 15 to Wellington. Um, wh- what are the two or three guys who don't make the team um, going to do while you guys are gone? The, the ones that are contracted full time in, in San Diego, and and how do you deal with that as a coach? Because obviously every it's going to be tough if you're a group of 15 and you're one of the two or three that doesn't get to go somewhere. How do you, how do you, how do you manage that? Well, they'll, they'll still have their programs to, uh, to do while they're here. Um, so they'll be, they'll continue training. Um, and if somebody, God forbid, gets injured, you know, they'll come in, come in for those individuals. That's who we'll draw from. Um, but you know, that's a fact yeah, that happens. Uh, Pat, you know, NFL rosters are what 42, not all 42 play. So who gets the starting, you know, starting roles, there's always going to be some disappointment in there, but you know, what we got to based on, based on form and how the guys perform here in camp, that's, that's, who's going to get selected to, to represent our country in Wellington and Las Vegas. 
what needs to be fixed on the field? Out of the Pan Am games, I think the the big thing seemed to be uh, the offense was great, just not getting the ball enough. And then coming out of the uh, opening tournament at Gold Coast, we talked a lot. Of, I remember you and I talked about the restarts, and there were just a, a series of restart errors that needed to get fixed. I thought that improved, but the um, it, it didn't translate into a significant uh, number of, of extra victories. Um, USA is ranked uh, 11th in the World Series uh, right now, and, and, and teams are pushing up. Are you able to distill one, two, three things that you'd like to tell us that you really need to to – to fix going forward? No, no. I mean, you, you know, you, you can go out and take a laundry list of things that you want to fix or that you, you know, you, you want to build on. And that's why I said um, during the beginning that you got to get the biggest bang for the time that you have. So, you know, what could be fixed in a short amount of time that could give you the biggest results. So the old ad, you know, the old saying is defense wins championships and that's what we want to continue to focus on. So our, our defensive structure is pretty solid. The organization's good. We need to continue working on individual one-on-one tackles, continue to increase the communication. So that's one area that we're really spending a lot of time with. And then on the, uh, uh, on the attacking side, uh, which translates to the contact area, becoming much more solid in the contact area. You know, we were okay, uh, but okay isn't good enough for us. So we want to be much better. We want to be solid in the contact area. We want to, anytime we go into contact, doesn't matter if it's on the ground or or up in the air, um, we, we need that ball back 100% of the time. And so that's, we believe that's an easy one to fix. Everybody has recognized it. Everybody has agreed to it. And we're working on that almost every day. Um, and then something I think that kind of like rounds things out is the communication piece. We have to continue. All great teams communicate well, and it's not something easy to do. And that's something that every single day and everything we do, we continue to work on. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hey, don't forget, the biggest rugby party in the USA is slated for February 10th through 12th, 2012 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The USA 7's International Rugby Tournament brings the United States and 15 other top International 7's teams to the American Stop on the World Series circuit. It's three days of thrilling action. Go to USA7's.com for details and great hotel and ticket packages. And if you're a player, the Las Vegas Invitational is where you can play rugby before seeing the USA 7's. Presented by Stations Casinos, the LVI is the biggest tournament in the country and offers 7's and 15's playing opportunities for all levels. Go to LVIRugby.com for details on how to sign up and get great USA 7's deals and special rates on Stations Casinos Hotels. Once again, go to LVIRugby.com for details. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. And uh, Al Caravelli, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here on Rugged Matrix America. And just to remind everybody that the USA 7's team will be playing in Wellington, February 3rd and 4th, which actually translates to more like February 2nd and 3rd here on USA time. And uh, keep 
keep updated on rugbymag.com and how the USA team is doing and uh, check with uh, Universal Sports, either on TV or online uh, to be able to see them, especially on day two. And then a week later, USA 7s in Las Vegas, February 10th, 11th and 12th. And yeah, it's on NBC and it's great to be on TV. But what you should do is DVR all that stuff and go to Vegas and watch it in person because it is not to be missed. It is amazing what these athletes can do. And seeing it in person with all those fans is just really special. And uh, um, Al, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Al. Yeah, you're very welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. And uh, I just want to echo and piggyback on what you said, Alex, the team and myself. We would love to sell out Las Vegas. And I know if we're able to do that and they start cheering for USA, it will be the extra boost that really propels the guys forward. So any every and anybody who's listening, we would love for you to come to Vegas um, and help us be that extra man or woman to elevate some hardware uh, on Sunday. Good luck, Al. Thanks, Bruce. Well, that was a great conversation with USA Vice Captain on the Sevens Team, Zach Test, and also USA Sevens Team National Head Coach, Al Caravelli. And uh, we really appreciate them taking their time. And don't forget uh, to check out Rugga Matrix America on RugbyMag.com or through RuggaMatrix.com, where you also will see the Rugga Matrix International Show, which is not to be missed. Check out the iTunes store to to download Rugged Matrix America shows and also check out the past shows. You can download this one and listen to it later or you can listen to it right now and you can do that with all the past shows as well. Check on RugbyMag.com for all your rugby news and don't forget Las Vegas in February. For Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff thanking you for listening to Rugged Matrix America. Mm-hmm.